The information contained on the Real Health Podcast and the resources mentioned are for educational purposes only. They are not intended as and shall not be understood or construed as medical or health advice. The information contained on this podcast is not a substitute for medical or health advice from a professional who is aware of the facts and circumstances of your individual situation. Information provided by hosts and guests on the Real Health Podcast or the use of any products or services mentioned does not create a practitioner-patient relationship between you and any persons affiliated with this podcast. This is the Real Health Podcast brought to you by Reardon Clinic. Our mission is to bring you the latest information and top experts in functional and integrative medicine to help you make informed decisions on your path to real health. Okay, welcome everyone. This is Dr. Ron Hunting-Hockey. We're back with another episode of the Real Health Podcast. And it's my pleasure today to once again uh, welcome Dr. Lucas Timms, who is the, uh, the director, the medical director of the Reardon Clinic Integrative Oncology Center in Kansas City. So Dr. Timms, thank you so much for coming on our broadcast again. My pleasure, Dr. Ron. Thanks for having me, and I uh, look forward to jumping into some juicy content today. Yeah. So, uh, you know, a lot of people have heard, are starting to hear more about integrative oncology, and uh, we've talked about it before. We thought maybe today we would take a little bit of a deeper dive into the distinction between what's going on in uh, both uh, Wichita and Kansas City with our cancer care patients, looking at the model of care that has been developed and seeing if we can make a distinct, you know, the distinguishing features between uh, our approach and conventional oncology. So would you want to kind of give us a, a, a thumbnail sketch of that as best you can? Yeah, I um I'd love to, this is something that, you know, obviously I, it's a, usually a place I start in my initial consultation with my patients. Some of them kind of already understand it, but I, I, I kind of go through this uh, as, as an opening, if you will, with most of my patients, just to kind of set that groundwork and the expectations. Cause I do find that when they understand where we're coming from, it helps them. Um, it helps them actually, you know, follow our instructions better and even make sense of it better on their end. And so what I usually start with telling patients is that our approach, and we may get to the actual, what we want to call it a little bit later, but our approach is much more a metabolic or terrain-based approach to cancer. And patients may have heard those terms used other places. Um, Dr. Nasha Winters wrote a book called The Metabolic Approach to Cancer. Um, but when you think about the, the metabolic approach or terrain-based approach, where it really differs, and the analogy I like to use is, if you think of cancer as like a weed problem, and think of kind of your body as like the garden, right? Right. And so these weeds are popping up, and the traditional approach from Western medicine towards cancer or the weeds is oh, we see weeds, let's kill the weeds. Let's put some chemicals on them or weed control somehow, cut them out, burn them, and, and then just wait and see if they come back. 
whereas the metabolic or terrain-based approach comes at it really from the, the soil standpoint and looking at all those things that you really can't see on the surface level, but that we know are actually what's driving the weed problem in the first place. And, you know, this is just right in line with the historical development of the Reardon, Dr. Reardon's approach to dealing with complex chronic illnesses of all types. Namely, he said, we've got to look for the root causes. And so the analogy is, is perfect in the sense that the roots are where the, 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 the plant gains its health. And it, well, obviously sunshine and, and, uh, external uh, air and, and care too, but but the deep root causes are the things that often get overlooked in uh, developing a holistic or broad-based treatment plan for our cancer patients. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, we take uh, just as a, you know, a gardener or a landscape expert might look at a weed and say, oh, you know, you're missing this mineral or there's a deficiency in this in the soil and that's why you're getting these weeds. Yes, they may do some weed control if they're out of hand, but ultimately a good gardener, a good landscaper is going to know that the real magic's down in the soil. And, and to add once again to the analogy, if all we did was treat the weed without changing the soil, the weed could grow back and uh, taking breast cancer as a, a sad example, there's about a 70% recurrence rate that occur in breast cancer patients, even if they have the very best of, of conventional care. So we're really trying to cover both ends of the spectrum. Yeah, 100%. Not only, like I said, sometimes you do need to do weed control, but the prevention of the weeds from coming back and to, to piggyback on that a little further, usually when the weeds come back, they're much harder to get rid of the yeah. next time. Yeah. Much more resistant, much more aggressive. So um, yeah, doing that the first time around is really when you, when you want to do that, that soil work. Yep. And so uh, there are 10 terrains, you know, both you and I have completed the metabolic approach to cancer course under Dr. Nasha winners. And it was an incredible almost 40 to 50 hours of, uh, of video and learning that we had to go through. And what I wanted to try to do today is to pick your brain and go over these 10 terrains that, uh, are, that form the, the basis of this uh, soil getting to the root cause of, uh, yeah. of cancer. And so uh, my wife was pointing out, you know, uh, mnemonics are always helpful. And so Roy G. Biv is a famous mnemonic to remember the, the colors of the rainbow. So what I'm going to do is uh, have you kind of fill us in, but I'm going to kind of define this in four different groups of the 10 terrains. And so the first group is the EME group. So it's epigenetic, metabolic, and environmental. And so how do these factors fit together in your mind in terms of root causes for cancer? Yeah, I, I, um, I like that you've done the groupings. And I think it's also important to point out that, you know, all of these terrains kind of, I, Dr. Nasha likes to use the word cross-pollinate. Yeah. Meaning that they all, you know, like 
one stone in the pond will cause ripple effects in, in all of these terrains. But I think it is helpful for maybe the listeners to think about in these groupings. So that first one of epigenetics, metabolic and environment, um, I think that's where you get a lot of the, a lot of the um, stuff that we can pick up in laboratory testing, um, which is good, which is a lot of what we do with our patients uh, as a first step is to do a, a terrain-based test. And you can pick up on um, changes in genetics, metabolic markers uh, of disease, whether it's, you know, uh, glucose, insulin, um, other growth factors, cholesterol, body mass index, those types of traditional metabolic markers, and some deeper dive ones. And then the environmental uh, component, we do a very, very um, uh, in-depth environmental toxin screen on our patients because that more than anything, I think, can affect both the metabolic, the epigenetic uh, terrain, and all, and even really all the other ones. Uh, and we do find oftentimes that our cancer patients, you know, the reason why they're growing weeds is too much toxicity, you know, and we're living in such a toxic world now where we're being exposed to stuff without really even knowing it. Uh, it's become so ubiquitous and insidious, these chemicals and, and toxins that damage our DNA, that disrupt our hormones, that turn on or off genes that shouldn't be. And so that's kind of, you know, uh, how we look at that section is what's what's causing the, the epigenetic, because I should back up a little bit, you know, we all have a genetic code that's kind of set in stone, but the epigenetics is what speaks to the, uh, to the part that actually gets expressed. So if you think of this huge switchboard of little dials, that's your genetic code, but which dials are turned on and off, that's the epigenetic part of it. And so our environment is what does that. Both good things in our environment may turn on the right switches, and toxic things or bad things may turn on the wrong switches or vice versa. Um, and then the meta and then the metabolic health is what kind of brings it all together and, and can either make or break it really. Yeah. And, and this first little section here, these are things that people have a lot more control over their own choices and they can exactly. impact how the genetic factors, uh, express themselves based upon our choices. We can we can control metabolics based upon our food choices and environmental. Once we become aware of where the toxins are, we can begin to look under the kitchen sink. We can look out in the garage. We can look out uh, the the shed where we've got all the chemicals that we've been using on our lawn and realize, oh my gosh, there were things that I didn't even know were uh, challenging my uh, the health of my cells. And now I know, now I can uh, make better choices. Okay, the second well area. Said. Thank you. Well, we, I think we're working together on this. So the second uh, little mnemonic here is IA, inflammation and angiogenesis. And part of this is just to help people understand these terms so that they're not so unfamiliar to people. Inflammation, we all know about that. What about angiogenesis and how do these two fit together? Angiogenesis or, you know, another good term for that is, you know, circulation or blood flow in the body. And so this is where um, if you have improper circulation or a lack of circulation, you know, because maybe you're sedentary, you have a sedentary lifestyle, you're not exercising enough, 
um, or, you know, you're prone to certain things like blood clots. Those could be signs that you've got a circulation issue. And, you know, one of the things that can kind of seed a cancer issue is stagnation in the body, hmm. circulation, blood stagnation. And so the angiogenesis is a little bit more of a um, complex term in the way that it can be both good and bad, because once you have a tumor, the angiogenesis can be something that's driving blood flow to a tumor. But obviously we want good angiogenesis to our vital organs, our heart, our liver, our kidneys, so that they can work properly. But this is oftentimes where we see imbalances in patients with cancer and uh, oftentimes where you can uh, impact it through diet, lifestyle, the foods you're eating, supplements um and and oftentimes it doesn't have to be anything you know really fancy or complex sometimes the most basic daily practices can really shift things exercise for example there's a lot more to this conversation and it's coming up right after a quick break today's episode of the real health podcast is brought to you by the reardon clinic nutrient store the Nutrient Store is your resource for the highest quality nutritional supplements. Every supplement in the store is handpicked by the expert medical staff at Reardon Clinic, providing you with the best quality, purity, consistency, and effective dosing available. Visit store.reardonclinic.org to shop online. Yeah, and you know, the inflammation part of this, inflammation usually goes... To, it's, it's where the body is trying to heal itself and cancer has been described as the non-healing wound and so oft, oftentimes it sends out signals to get more blood vessels growing to the area of injury in order to heal it but unfortunately that can also feed the cancer and so uh, so we we certainly do encourage people to eat uh, phytonutrient rich foods that help stop this uh, the inflammation and the, the the new blood vessel growth to the tumor site. So let's go on to the third area here. Uh, this is MI, so it's it's not a heart attack, but it's microbiome and immunity. So uh, how do these two two areas? You might want to tell our listeners a little bit more about what the microbiome is and why it's so important. Yeah, well, I don't know. If people, I think most people don't really understand um, that, you know, we're basically just big walking condominiums for bacteria <laughs> and, and microbes, you know, uh, we're, we're more bacterial than we are human. Wow. Which I think is kind of crazy it's to true. think about. It's true. Um, and so what that means is that, you know, you're only as healthy as the the bacteria that are living in your condominium, you know? And so you want to make sure that you've got healthy uh, tenants and that there's good diversity. And how do we do that? Well, we do that through our diet mostly, but the other thing that's been uh, the other wrench that's been thrown in that in the last, you know, 30, 40, 60 years, because of the industrial, you know, kind of uh, uh, evolution we've had is chemicals, and not just chemicals, but even medications sometimes. These things really can disrupt our microbiome. And then that connection between the microbiome and that other terrain um, tenant you mentioned, which is immunity, 80% of our immune system is located in our gut. 
which is where, you know, that's the, the hot spot for most of the microbiome. Although we have bacteria all over our body, the gut is really where there's a lot of the, that magic happening. And it's the most populated area with bacteria. And so if you've got the wrong balance, if you've got, if you're lacking enough good bacteria or you've got overgrowth of pathogenic bacteria or viruses or things that are out of balance, all of a sudden that doesn't just cause stomach aches and cramping and bloating, but it actually makes your immune system much weaker or sometimes it makes it too overactive, uh -huh. which is what you see a lot with autoimmune diseases. Right, right. So hopefully our audience is getting the picture that uh, really taking good care in a cancer situation means you have to take care of all parts of your body. These basic function functioning aspects of good health are a necessary part of uh, overcoming the growth of the cancer. So it's not just attacking the tumor, it's uh, improving the health of our soil through these various components. And so let's go to this last, last grouping here. This is the CSE, circadian cycles, stress, and emotional trauma. This is the part that, um, you know, when you when you talk to cancer patients, very often they will tell you they've had difficulties in their life, and then the cancer emerged. What are what sort of uh, how, how do you how do you determine this when you're interviewing a new uh, cancer patient that you're taking care of? Yeah, this is uh, this can sometimes be the the real X factor or or um, linchpin for a lot of people with cancer because. You know, even with all the stuff we've talked about in terms of immunity and genetics and environment and all that, um, these almost speak to an even deeper foundational piece of of human existence and human and, and being a human being. And um, you can really see those ripple effects here uh, with with this category. I usually, you know, will just ask patients about you know, what's been going on the last, if, if they've been recently diagnosed, what's been going on in your life the last 18 months, you know, and by and large, it, it never fails that there's at least one, if not multiple traumatic events or tragedies or griefs or um, something that's really kind of shook their, their core. Um, and so, you know, that mental emotional piece is so important. And what does that usually throw off? Usually throws off your your, your rhythms, right? Your circadian rhythms, you know, you're not sleeping well because you're stressed. Uh, you're up all night because you're stressed with work or you're, you know, you can't sleep because, you know, you're, you're overindulging with uh, substances to manage stress. It, it becomes kind of a very tricky web. And so um, going through all those pieces with patients, helping them to find healthier ways to manage stress to uh, get back to a normal sleep-wake cycle, to kind of reset the rhythms of their of the biology in their body, and then to really flesh out and and unlock some of the mental emotional stuff that that may be acting like a toxicity in their body as well. Yeah, very very well put. And this this falls under this uh, this concept of test assess, address. We're really trying to look at the whole person. It's not just testing their blood work, though we do a very thorough job of that as well, but we're trying to assess how well they're coping with their life as a whole. Once someone has been given uh, 
a cancer diagnosis, it truly is a life-changing event. And uh, we're helping to get helping them to get their foundation back in order so that they can put up really more than just a good fight. They can get into more of a healing mode. And this is the integrative part of integrative oncology. Correct. Yeah. The, the assess or test, assess, address. I mean, it's, um, it's really important. And Nasha really, Dr. Nasha Winters, uh, who, you know, obviously um, uh, put a lot of work into, into, setting up this construct that we function in with, with more of a train-based approach. She's very big on doing it in that order. And so um, uh, you and I, I know both uh, adhere to that. And that's why we have to do so much testing up front with our patients to really understand what's going on in those soil conditions so that we can prioritize. Cause some people may have two or three terrain issues that are more important than others. And, you know, usually it's not all 10 of them for everybody, at least, you know, that's what we usually see. And so uh, understanding where we need to prioritize first and sequence our, uh, our approach is very important. Yeah. So, uh, so I know this has been, this will be a kind of a challenging listen for a lot of people, but I, I want them to understand, or I hope they'll understand that uh, this, this uh, component of cancer care oftentimes gets left out in an effort to just focus on getting rid of the tumor. But part of it is to help them maintain a good balance in their overall health and to give them the stamina to go through whatever else they're going through as part of their cancer treatment. And then not to leave any stone unturned that really needs to be worked on or healed or uh, improved nutritionally. All of these can come together in a way that allows people to uh, be more resilient in their in their journey through the cancer process. And so, so any last words, uh, Dr. Timms, in terms of what what you've learned about this? How long have you been been an uh, integrative oncologist? Been practiced nearly thirteen years now, um, which has all been you know working directly with cancer patients, and uh, I. I would be um, be lying if I told you I know everything, but I learn everything. I do learn something new every day with my patients and uh, and from people like you and my colleagues. And uh, you know, cancer is. I, even though I feel like this approach is makes so much inherent sense, we're still learning. We're still perfecting. We're still evolving to understand um, cancer and. I like patients to start to shift their mindset around cancer as being a teacher and not an enemy. Uh, that cancer can actually teach us uh, more about ourselves and what we need to work on rather than it be this, um, you know, this all guns blazing war that we need to wage on it. it yeah, it's a new metaphor that that I, I tell my cancer patients that if you if you can absorb all this, get the right attitude and start relearning a lot about self-care, you'll actually probably end up being healthier than you've ever been, yeah. even though yeah. you've got a cancer diagnosis. And that is the secret of healing cancer. So Dr. Yeah. Timms, thank you so much for all that you do. And thank you for today's uh, explanation. And we'll hope to have you on the show again soon. Thanks for having me, Dr. Ron. Thank you for listening to The Real Health Podcast. 
If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. You can also find all of the episodes and show notes over at realhealthpodcast.org. Also, be sure to visit reardonclinic.org where you will find hundreds of videos and articles to help you create your own version of real health.